Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm so glad that you've joined me today. You know that I'm an Enneagram fan. You know it because periodically I'll have a guest on who's talking about the Enneagram. Well, you are going to be very happy that you joined me today because, yes, it's about the Enneagram, but it's about the Enneagram and beyond. Literally, the name of the book is Beyond the Enneagram, and it is by Marilyn Vansel, and uh, it's the subtitle is An Invitation to Experience a More Centered Life with God. There's something about that subtitle that in today's world, it makes me just breathe a sigh, like, ah, I want to accept that invitation to experience a more centered life with God. What about you? So I hope that has kind of grabbed you to listen to this podcast today. If you're regular listeners to Faith Conversation, uh, happy to have you. If you're new, glad that you've joined us as well. So today my guest is Marilyn Vansel. And as I do sometimes, I like to welcome folks and ask them to tell me a little bit about themselves and tell you a little bit about themselves. Um, I love podcasts because they're just a lot more laid back than the days when I used to be in live radio. So I want to say a big welcome to Marilyn. Welcome to the program. And I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. I meant to ask you that before. Vansel, Marilyn yep. Vansel. Is that right? Yep, that's right. All right. I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Anita. Great to be with you. I'm looking well, forward to our conversation. Me too. And I, I didn't mention this. We're going to talk about your new book, Beyond the Enneagram, but you are also the author of another book that I have, Self to Lose, Self to Find. And I would love to hear several things. Number one, give a thumbnail sketch to folks listening as to who you are and why you wrote your first book. And then we'll kind of transition into why you wrote Beyond the Enneagram. Yeah, thank you. Yes, well, I live near Spokane, Washington with my husband and a week ago, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary, which really makes me feel old when I say it, but I don't feel very old, but that it was a great celebration. So that's Wonderful. exciting. We have four, four grown children, 11 wonderful, beautiful grandchildren who live pretty close to us. So um, we, that's the delight of our lives, obviously. And um, yeah, author of two books, spiritual director, and just, you know, excited to enjoy life at this stage of the game. And so many things that, um, you know, golfing, skiing, activities that I like to do. So fun. Well, thank you for that little, yeah, little view of what you do outside the Enneagram. I love that. Yeah. Um, tell me when the Enneagram entered your life. I always find mm. that a little bit interesting because yeah. you're, you're what I would label in the expert field. I mean, you have been ensconced in the Enneagram for uh, decades, Long right? Time. Long yeah. time. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it was in my late thirties. So 30, more than 30 years ago, um, I was introduced to the Enneagram through a series of cassette tapes that were given to us and by a trusted source, but I looked at the cover and went, eh, no, I'm not interested in this. And the name of this packet, you know, it was in a plastic packet was naming your illusions. And I was like, no, not interested. This looks weird. New age, you know, and, which is a common reaction to seeing that picture. And, but my husband listened to it out in the yard working, um, he was working in the yard and he had his big boom box. And so he was, I'm all dating myself again and again. Here. I love it. But he came in the house and said, I think you'd really like this. And so I listened to them and I was hooked immediately. And it was so, it was such a relief for me because I identify with the pattern of a type nine and for a nine to realize, Oh, I have a personality. I have other people feel like I do just kind of, you know, a sense of nothing really. <laughs> and for my husband, it was more convicting. Like he was like, Oh no. Um, yes. Um, and so we began it and it helped us so much to realize he identifies with type three and I was a nine and, it just made it made sense um, what conflicts we have. And then I just tried to find books on it. And for so for 30 some years, it was just this thing that I returned to that I found helpful when I was lost. And then I go, oh, that's why I feel this way. My nineness is coming out here. And what do I need to do? And then I really thought someday I might teach it. And so then I pursued more education and more training and it just evolved into where I am now. And I wrote a book on it, which I never expected to do. That was not on my bucket list of life goals. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and maybe uh, let me ask you this, what, you know, we're going to largely spend our time talking about beyond the Enneagram, but your first book, Self mm -hmm. to Lose, Self to Find, um, what um, sets that apart from other Enneagram books that are out there? Why would yeah. someone maybe gravitate toward that one? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Well, and you asked earlier, why did I even write it? And people, I was teaching the Enneagram in little small little pockets of with small little groups of people. And they say, you should write a book, you should write a book. I was like, no, I don't want to write a book. But I was on my own spiritual journey at that time of who, who do I think Jesus is? And what, you know, there were some questions I was having, but I, it was like that um, inner journey. Yes. And so I woke up and I was, I was struck by Jesus saying, if you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. And I was like, what? That was not something I ever thought about. Like there's a self to lose. And I woke up one morning laying in bed going, there's a self to lose and a self to find. That's the book I'm supposed to write. And the Enneagram would be so helpful wow. to understand what is the self to lose? What is the self to find? And so I started telling people I'm writing a book. I had no idea what I was doing, but that, so it sets it, I think it sets it apart. And what I hear often is that it's in a biblical context of the scriptures. And I break that down. What did Jesus mean by lose yourself to find yourself? I identify the adapted self and the authentic self, that language rather than true, false self, true self. Like people, I hear people repeat that all the time. Oh, the adapted self and the authentic self. 
And then I approach it from a positive as positive point of view for each of the types. Like we were all created to reflect God's image and each of the types are a beautiful reflection of God's image, but then it gets distorted. So I start with the more positive and that we can return to that. We're not stuck in our, you know, that lower, lower qualities of our type pattern, but we can, we're, we can be transformed. And then what does that look like for each type? So, and then I offer prayers for every type. Love that. And I offer a practice called, I call own up of how to actually apply it. So I love that too. And I think I know a number of people that listen to faith conversations are on a journey that Richard Rohr would call order, disorder, reorder. Mm, And I think Mm. the way you talk about the Enneagram in your first book is is Mm. helpful language as well for someone who might be uh, re on a rediscovering of their faith journey and expanding or w- whatever you want to call that reordering. So, um, I appreciate that. Uh, I came to become aware of the Enneagram about 20 years ago. Um, Adele Calhoun was one of the pastors in my church and, um, I went through a small group program called growing your soul. And one of the units was on the Enneagram and I'm the Ennea what, <laughs> And she thought about the Enneagram and I, this was new to me and my eyes were like wide open. And I saw the beautiful, the way it was taught, the beautiful possibility for a deep spiritual transformation. Um, and just found myself hungry to learn more about it. I saw what kind of a a tool that it could be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then you, of course, wrote about that so beautifully in your first book. Um, What I think is interesting is the fact that you have now moved into a space and in fact, titled a book beyond the Enneagram. And I know there's been some work done in more recent years. Suzanne Stabile has been here on the podcast. She's uh, done work with the stances and some other things that are maybe some new thoughts or evolving thoughts in the Enneagram field, but that's not exactly what you're doing in beyond the Enneagram. And and I want to know what, what propelled you to move toward um, something beyond the Enneagram, but obviously um, the Enneagram was, a was a catalyst for what this book became. So to talk a little bit about the why and the what. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Anita. Well, in my first book, Self to Lose, Self to Find, I proposed a, a location for our spiritual intelligence because the traditional Enneagram is head, heart, and gut, and it's located on the circle, you know, at the different types. And I thought, well, wait, when I was writing that book, I thought, wait, but we have a spiritual intelligence. There's a deeper inner knowing that we have. Well, where is that represented here? And so I boldly propose that it's in the middle, that middle space. And it's kind of threw that out there in my book. And with the idea that the closer we are to our spiritual center, the more equidistance we are from all the types and mm-hmm. that we're not stuck on that outer, that outer circle in the in our pattern, but we move toward the center. And so then I thought, well, I, as I was invited to write this new book, another book, I thought, well, I want to develop that Uh, and um, develop what is it, what is it 
what is our journey toward being more centered, being closer to the center with God, to God's love, to God's union, to our relationship, our connection spiritually with God. So the, you know, so I started just thinking about that. So I, um, and that the, there's movement from the outer. I see the outer as the adapted self patterns and there's movement. What is our movement to be our authentic self and to live out of a centered place? So that's how it started. Um, and I was also, I think my favorite chapter is glory to glory, which is the end chapter. Huh. And I was noticing that in, at least in my Christian background um, language, was that we're supposed to become less and less. And people were saying, you know, I need to just let go of myself and God is more and I'm nothing. And maybe as a nine, I also, as a type nine, I also I like, oh yeah, I know I, I can become nothing really fast. <laughs> and so I realized that Jesus, when he was on the earth, he made people more and more. He oh, restored them to wholeness. Yes, he healed love. them. He touched their hearts. He wanted them to return to their true, authentic self, whole self. So I just started thinking about that and that Paul says we move from glory to glory, that we're on this movement. So there's a lot of movement in this new book toward the center. And what is our pilgrimage? What does it look like? What can we expect to experience? Um, and I've called on a lot of different sources, resources that have been helpful in my own journey to um, illustrate that movement toward the center. Well, you know, you say in the book, you say what I propose is an adjunct to the Enneagram that I call the drawing mm. and it incorporates its wisdom and also focuses inwardly toward the center space, which you just said, and extends beyond the existing circle. And if you're uh, uh, aware at all, the Enneagram, there's the circle with the nine types drawn around the outside of that circle. And so, you know, this makes sense as you're saying it. But of course, as I read that and I um, sit with that, I go, what is the drawing, which you're starting to, to talk about. And, mm -hmm. um, and you, you get into that in the book, in the middle section of your book, but you, know, you start by talking about the foundations for the journey. And I think we need to start there mm -hmm. as well um, before we get to the drawing, which in essence, you label a, a whole fr a fresh paradigm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I love that. Um, I think for Enneagram aficionados and for those that desire to grow, those who are on a spiritual journey, um, especially, which honestly, I will say is all of us, whether we know it or mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm, <laughs> then th that mm -hmm. this would be a wonderful yes. resource. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's start with those foundations for the journey. What, what, what are some of those foundations that mm. we need to be aware of and, mm. and to know about? Yeah, thank you. Well, um, first of all, I'll just say the drawing, the name, the drawing is, it's a drawing, but it's also, it represents the drawing, God drawing us toward uh -huh. the middle. Oh, and so draw out, which I totally missed in that mm. name, like drawing us in. in. Yes, I'm picturing drawing something. <laughs> No, no, no. And I, you know, I named it that because it's an illustration of the drawing of God toward, uh, to, uh, drawing us toward him, God and oh, in the center. That. And as you said, everybody's being drawn, whether they know it or not, 
and whether they respond to that or not and face that direction. So that's what the name means. It's nice. not just, oh, yeah, a new drawing will be. So yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're asking about the foundations for the, the drawing and the, really the rest of the book. And one of them is that we need to realize and lean into that God wants to restore our souls and that it's an inward journey that we, um, we need to desire that, to have courage, to be honest and trust that God in the restoration project of our soul is a journey. It's a pilgrimage. It's not a one-time fits all, one time, it just happens and here we go, we're all free, but the journey to freedom and soul restoration is a, is a pilgrimage, I call it. And it's a, so the next foundation is that just um, having the posture of a pilgrim, that it's a slow journey, but where are we headed? Where are we facing? And um, that we need to slow down and be intentional and pay, you know, pay attention and allow ourselves to lean into what God is doing in our lives. And, and I love, I, I love that. Well, I just go was going to say a, a word about the the posture of a pilgrim. I mean, I think we can relate to that because you hear people, uh, you know, doing the Camino de Santiago yes, pilgrimage yes. and other types mm -hmm. of pilgrimages, even Appalachian Trail or whatever the case, but, but we know that when you do those, they're very tactile and we're, you know, walking that or, or even, even the little short little pilgrimage of walking a labyrinth, it's a slowing mm. down. So I love that idea of, of slowing down um, as part of the, the importance of this posture. Mm. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then what? You well, then um, I, I write a whole chapter and you and I talked ahead of time about the book, The Critical Journey yeah. by Janet Hagberg and um, Robert Gulick. And it really spells out the signpost along the way of our spiritual journey. And it's so encouraging to, to me and has been to many others that I've worked with to see, oh, these are the these are kind of the signposts along this journey, this pilgrimage, and they, they help us, they guide us um, in understanding that. And so I really am so appreciative of the work that they, in the Critical Journey book that they did um, on um, spelling that out. So what do you think? I, I, I appreciate that as well and love that you included that because I think it's material that, um, a lot of people are unaware of, or, or they haven't, they don't know much about stages of faith. And mm -hmm. so I love that you elevated that. And I think it's really important in this conversation. I think we get stuck along the way, or we move to certain stages of faith and maybe even have the thought, uh, is this it? Is this mm -hmm. all there is? Or I don't, no, it's either, is this all there is, or I don't know where to go from here, or, you know, I don't know exactly some of the different things that elevate in our minds or in people's minds. And so to realize that, no, no, this isn't all there is. And, or we, or people can just kind of stall out or get stuck, mm -hmm. I guess is the, is mm -hmm. the word. Mm -hmm. And you probably talk to people like that in mm -hmm. spiritual direction and, mm -hmm. um, and this whole idea of, you know, beyond the Enneagram that, oh, it makes so much sense to me. 
um, that, that foundationally we've got to think about, um, where we are in the journey. We're not all at the same spot and, Mm -hmm. or we get stuck at different places, et cetera, or don't have, or we don't have language for it. Mm-hmm. And you're providing language for us here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yes. And um, one thing, you know, with the Enneagram and, you know, my title beyond the Enneagram, um, that the Enneagram is a tool at some point in our journey where it's really helpful. It doesn't mean it has to continue to be helpful or useful. Like, okay, because I and maybe I'm, I am coming out of my own experience. Like, I don't refer to the Enneagram and really study the nine type anymore because I feel like God is, you know, I've been formed and set free in so many different ways. And then I, do, I don't just need it all the time. It's not that, it's not unhelpful, but it's just, it's a tool that's in the toolbox but I don't need it all the time. Well, and I think you probably also know very well what health looks like for you mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. as an Enneagram nine. And um, I, that's why I think you're, you know, the two books of yours are a good one to punch that people can always refer back to um, until coming to that space where they're at that place where, you know, I don't, I, I don't really have to look back to that all that much anymore. I, I understand mm-hmm. that. So I appreciate that thought a lot. Mm-hmm. And I use the, you know, the work with uh, the critical journey book when I, I spell out the six stages of faith that they talk about. And I think one, the, one, the important one for me and for many people that I work with is stage four, which is the inward journey. And that we sometimes feel like, is that okay? You know, and I'm feeling restless. I'm feeling I'm questioning things. And I really even make a kind of a bold couple paragraphs about the word deconstruction, because that's so popular right now. And I get it. I, I'm not against that. I think that's part of the journey, but I wondered if looking at our deconstruction, using a different terminology, that's an invitation. Yes. It's an invitation to a deeper, more intimate life with God. And you have to kind of look back and say, well, this just just doesn't work for me anymore. But it doesn't mean it was all bad. It was helpful at the time. But then what's the invitation now? Instead of deconstructing and tearing it all apart and being mad about it and thinking, oh, you know, this didn't work. It worked at one time for you, for me. But I like it doesn't that. mean it has to last forever. I and think it's an invitation. I lo- so I love that th- you're looking at it as an invitation. I I like that a lot. And I think I have come to really dislike the deconstruction terminology. I think that's why I gra- gravitated a bit toward Richard Rohr's order, disorder, reorder. Because mm-hmm. there is some disordering that goes on. But are we going to move forward, be invited in, accept the invitation to reorder things? Because that that is what needs to happen. But I love the invitational language that you're putting to it. And, and I also think people get stuck in the deconstructing and never, and ne- that's why I don't like the language, and never reorder things. Or do they just kind of throw up their hands and mm-hmm. um, and get mad, almost like I'm going to get mad and go home. Yeah. And they stay there. They just stay there instead. And it just re, you know, plays over and over and over and over. And, you know, Mm -hmm. what's the, 
what what's the mm-hmm. next step what's the forward motion yes yes mm-hmm. so i really really appreciate you taking a giving a new look at this and using that language of invitation which is always the language of jesus i mean jesus mm-hmm. is this walking talking invitation <laughs> right? right so <laughs> i love that <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm all right so you're talking about um the the foundations and and then this was interesting to me you talked about stages on the enneagram journey which mm-hmm. um i don't i'm not sure that i'd ever heard this and i'm guessing this might be new about yeah um the whole comfort compassion confession consent is that all new well that was in my first book in my introduction okay that- that was my experience of the Enneagram. Oh, I, I like um, that. I would love for you to say a bit about that because I okay. feel like that is probably new to many people. Yeah. Well, what I was partly why um, included, I'm getting my pages out here. Sure. <laughs> partly why I included the critical journey book um, stages is because I was also observing that those were similar stages to people's experience of the Enneagram. Oh. So you have that first stage and you go, oh, this is so cool. This is awesome. Like getting, you know, realizing there's a God. Well, you realize there's an Enneagram and this is helpful. And wow, this is so interesting. And it's also a comfort like, oh, yay. I'm not just weird. I have actually have a number, a type and other people are like me. And there's some aha, you know, moments with that. And then the second stage is the, um, learning about the Enneagram, which is the second stage of faith that they spell out. And so that's when you listen to all these podcasts and you buy the books and you want everybody else to come along and you're kind of an Enneagram evangelist because you want to share this new learning with other people. Well, that's similar to the spiritual journey of learning about God, but you also start to have compassion for yourself and for others along that way. Like, Oh, you know, this is why so-and-so does that. Oh, I can have compassion rather than judgment for that. But it's a learning stage. And then the third one was using it productively, which corresponds with the productive phase of the spiritual journey. Like, how does this impact my life? How do I work? How do I be with other people knowing my Enneagram type? Like it's productive, it's helpful. Mm. But it's also a place, you know, along the way you start, kind of start going, oh, I've got some problems. <laughs> this is show like this keeps re, you know, showing up again. Like, oh, here I go again with my Enneagram stuckness or my Enneagram pattern. And it's showing up in my, all my environments. So what am I going to do about that? So it's a place mm-hmm. of confession, mm-hmm. recognizing that. And then I just, I say that the, you know, the stage four five and six is the Enneagram hits the wall. Like if it doesn't take you to humility, if it doesn't take you to the sense of ah, there, this, there's nothing I can do about this. God, please transform me. It's not just grit your teeth and become a, you know, follow your arrow on the Enneagram or learn about it more and, you know, grit your teeth and become a better person. But you realize, no, this is so deep into me, deep deeply woven into my being that God is the only one that can change me. And so mm-hmm. that's the consent. You kind of hit the wall. And then after that, you know, it's kind of 
uh, it's not as needed, I guess. So that's that's so that's interesting. How I, so I we see it. And so, you know, we have that foundation, um, though, though, indeed that those things are foundational that you just went through. Um, but then you come to this fresh idea mm -hmm. of God drawing us, this fresh mm -hmm. paradigm, drawing us in, drawing us to the center. Mm -hmm. And so what is this new teaching that you call the drawing? What, what do we uh, need to learn or see, um, mm. as we continue on our journey? Mm. Well, we need to see that God is drawing us, that we are on a journey. And I added new arrows to the picture because I, and I made all the arrows go to the middle, had all the arrows going to the middle and they're representative of all of us, our journey. And some are, you know, closer to God, some are far away, but we're all on this pilgrimage and that we're moving from our adapted self patterns to our authentic self realities. And the other thing that I set up is, are we looking at the Enneagram from a bounded set or from a centered set perspective? And bounded set is um, that all type fives do this, this, and this. And if you don't do this, you're not a type five. And I, I see, I've seen the danger or the pattern, the temptation to categorize all these types in and of themselves. And I've noticed people trying to explain everything about their lives in terms of their Enneagram type. Oh, it must be my type nine, or it must be her type two, or, and it's a bounded set view. And a centered set view is that the focus is on the center. And that everybody in the set this is a mathematical term, really, is that everybody in the set, which I think is everyone, is part of the journey toward the center. And so the focus is on the center, not on the outer types. Um, I hope that kind of makes sense. But um, so For, I just, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was questions. just. Um, this is so interesting. Number one, you, there are some fantastic diagrams that are, uh, in this center section about the drawing that, um, really help to, um, be able to see and read at the same time. But no, I think you're explaining it really well. And I, um, I think this is one of those times I, I do want to like, you know, hit the pause button on the podcast and just, sit with this because this is, this is, these are new thoughts. Mm. Um, I've been around the Enneagram for my 20 years, you know, um, certainly less time, a lot less time than you and not as trained as you, but this makes me want to sit back and go, Hmm, there's some really good stuff here that will not only help me on my own spiritual journey, um, or I can look at things and go, oh, here's kind of where I am, but it doesn't pigeonhole me. I love how you, mm. um, what, what's the terminology again? Bounded versus bounded set, bounded bounded set, set. versus centered set. Yes. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot because I have, I've not had language for it, but I've seen people in that bounded set space where, you know, no, this is you and I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze you into this mold if it kills me you know right and or you know, people ask the question oh so what type are you yeah 
and you say, well, I'm a type nine. They go, oh, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like know I know about me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, you don't know that. You don't know anything about my whole story. And, That's right. And so, <laughs> and we all have different childhood wounds. There's not one childhood wound for all the types. Like, yeah, we've, we've gotten it too narrowed down. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I, I see that. Uh, and, and I, and I realize how we try and become so prescriptive and anyway, you're making me, you're really making me think this is so good. Um, so when, you know, as we start to read and understand this whole idea, whole idea of being drawn to the center and this movement toward the center, um, one of the things that you say, and, and I, I thought you were about to say it, but, but, uh, one of the phrases that came to my mind, and then I realized it's a chapter title of yours. It's, it's moving from what I am to who I am. So mm. I think that states it really well, um, that we start this movement. We've been engaged in the what, right? What number, what, about me, what this, this, this to who, to identity, yes. this, you know, what you're really doing is we're, you're moving us. God is moving us. We're being drawn mm -hmm. to the center, which is our true identity. Mm -hmm. Truer that there might be things that are descriptive that can help us on the journey and help explain some things, but it's not, but we're, we just need to keep on that journey, moving toward the center, toward our true, our truest identity. At least that's what I'm gleaning. Yes. And I offer two exercises in that particular chapter on helping us to get to recognize the labels, like the name tags that we've put on ourselves or had other people put on us that we yeah. hear over and over. You're this, you're that, you're this, or you need to be this, you need to be that. And moving what, toward, how yeah. does God see you? How, what are those to give us a little, and this might be a good place for us to even to wrap up. There's so much more and, but you, you know, you can't go through all, all of this stuff. Uh, um, I just wanted to give people wet people's appetites, but I, I love, uh, I think exercises can be so helpful in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, I would mm -hmm. love for you to kind of talk us through one yeah. or both of those exercises. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just do my favorite one, Good. which I use often with spiritual directors, directees. Yeah. It's just to make a list of your 10, 10 adjectives that describe you when you're at your best and not activities that you do, but who, when, when you're at your best, what comes out of you? And uh -huh. so just make a list of that and then okay. add to that what other people would say about you when you're at your best. Okay. So then you have this list and then what the invitation is to then look at that list. And I like to, you know, when I'm working with people, I have them tell me and, you know, tell me what those words are. And then the invitation, okay, now step back and remove yourself from this person, the, these words, and let's imagine that you're observing someone else that is displaying those qualities. So kind of step back and okay. watch a person and then ask, you know, what would you name her or him? 
is there a name? And then I invite people to pray and to seek and to listen to themselves. Is there an object that comes to mind that personifies that, these qualities? And it's amazing what God gives people because I could never script what comes to them, but they'll say, well, just recently I said, somebody said, I see a lighthouse. Then we talked about what a lighthouse does and we unpack it and they go, yes, that's that's who I am. And then we add a, an adjective to the object. So, um, like for me, um, the word I came, I saw was a rock, a steady rock, but a kind of a sparkling rock. And then I, so I put radiant rock because that kind of lined up with some of the words that I had written down. And then, so some days I just go, okay, radiant rock, you need to show up today. And it Love really it. is just, it's amazing. It, it really is just a holy moment. What God, I just sense God gives someone a name nice. and it so lines up with who they are as we uh -huh. unpack what that object signifies, like deep, mighty ocean or, wow you know, flowing river or all kinds of objects. I so it's a beautiful exercise. Yeah. And I learned it from a life coach that I was in touch with. So it's not original to me. And I give her credit for that in the book, but um, it's a That's great exercise. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, so I, even as I heard you giving that exercise, it, it just made me think of uh, like Alexio, about our life, yes. you know, oh, I love that. Yes. Like Lexio, I, I, because mm -hmm. of, the, of the things that elevate as we do Lexio with scripture, you know, it's, this is just in a different mm -hmm. direction. I, I love mm -hmm. that so much. Mm -hmm. I'm well, I'm going to Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I love the thought that there's yet another exercise in that chapter that I can read through and uncover and mm -hmm. sit with and, I mean, this is real, this is new stuff for me. So I'm, you know, um, listeners, to the podcast are kind of hearing me respond to this, um, uh, responding to you taking us beyond the Enneagram. And I, I wouldn't say that I have gotten stuck in the Enneagram. I have found it a beautiful mm -hmm. tool, uh, of spiritual transformation in the lives of many clients that I've had or mm -hmm. friends, et cetera but I have not thought beyond the Enneagram. I just thought it was kind of in and of itself, just mm -hmm. the beginning and the ending right there. Nothing. I was not thinking beyond. And so mm -hmm. you have really brought, I think some fresh eyes and fresh life, fresh thoughts to the Enneagram um, and to just that, the whole uh, idea of spiritual growth and what God is drawing us toward. Anyway, I am, I love this. Mm, and thank you. And I, you know, I, I wanted to put the Enneagram in a context of a bigger story that's going on. Like you said, it's not love in it. and of itself yes. enough. And it's not the answer and the golden key that unlocks the yes. mysteries of who we are, but it's, a, you know, it's a tool, but it's in a bigger story of the spiritual journey. And that's what I wanted to, where I wanted to put it. So. That. What, what's your hope? You know, someone that reads beyond the Enneagram, what do you, uh, is that the, the hope that they'll see this bigger story or that they will carry on the journey? What, you, what did you think as you wrote it? Uh, oh, good question. Well, my hope is that they recognize this drawing that God is drawing them and that they would turn and face the journey 
mm-hmm. and um, toward God and allow God to restore them. It's not a, an, always an easy journey right? and towards a restoration. But I just, you know, I think that's what Jesus is about. He wants to restore people yes. and to be to feel encouraged on the journey and the whole last half of the book is the movements that we can experience. Like we move from what I am to who I am from being reactive to being responsive, from being wounded to being whole, to being bond in bondage to freedom, glory to glory. So love um, that. those are the things I hope people recognize in their own lives that these are the experiences that they are, that God is inviting them to experience in their lives um, on a daily basis. And I love that we, you know, you're kind of ending with that language from the beginning that the invitation, it's always about the invitation, it isn't is. it? Yeah, love that. It is. And are we going to respond to it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm inviting you to grab a copy of beyond the Enneagram that Marilyn has uh, so beautifully written for us. Uh, Marilyn Vansel, thank you for your good additional work surrounding the Enneagram and, and moving us beyond the Enneagram. And thank you for your time today. Wonderful to oh, talk with you. It's been a blessing. I needed to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone else, I always say, keep the conversation going. <laughs>